Amen. Thank you, choir. Let us pray. Lord, as always, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for the opportunity to study it, to look at it. And I pray as we look at these verses, as we think about the ideas that will be shared, that it is your spirit that be at work among us, that you teach us, and that all that is said and shared be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, there were a lot of thoughts to have around the Holy Spirit and different ways we think about the Holy Spirit. Maybe we talk, sometimes I think we talk about the Holy Spirit too much. Maybe sometimes we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough at all. And what to say about the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but in our in my tradition growing up, there wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of talk about the Holy Spirit. But I'll just tell you one of the dominant ideas that I had that I thought, you know, I want, I want to be able to have that power of G, that access to the Holy Spirit. Because I kind of viewed it like the force from Star Wars, you know. Anybody ever, Lord, may I move that pencil? Just roll it a little bit. I just wanted to, you know, I love that commercial where the little kid's in the Darth Vader and, you know, and he's out there and, and the dad cranks the car with his remote. And it, I was like, that is just so cool to me. Because that was my image. You know, I want to do the Jedi mind trick on you. And, uh, you know, and then I don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it works that way. This idea of being able to... And, the, uh, you know, the other way that we, we'll, we don't admit it, but sometimes we, we think of it that way. The other way is kind of this... We kind of got into that Sunday school a little bit of the, the odd things and the difficult things. And we, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like that, you know, that odd uncle that shows up at the family reunion. You know, that's got the magic tricks that are entertaining. And, you know, but it somehow evolves into pull my finger or something. You know, that, that, I'm just saying. That odd, let's not talk too much about that. Gets, get us off track. And there's... And as I said in, in Sunday school, and I, my theology is I don't think you can ever say God has to do something this way or you ever need to limit what God might want to do. Either way, you might, you might get into trouble. But I don't, I don't know how to talk about it much more than my, my experience. I can't sum up everything. But, but in thinking about this passage... And thinking about what it, what it says here, that I don't know it's like this odd thing we don't want to talk about. Or is it, is it you know, can I've, I've somehow got access to the Spirit in a way you don't and can do? No. That's why I like this passage and the way it's talked about here. Of Jesus saying, I'm going to go. And you're going to want me to go. Because I'll send my spirit, the Father will send my spirit to be among you. And, and I will be with you. You know, I've heard Christians talk about, people say, you know, wouldn't it be great to be back? What if, what if we'd been first, Christian, first century followers, to be one of the disciples, one of the people that got to see Jesus do what he did, to follow Jesus back in the first century? Have you read the Gospels? Maybe that wouldn't be that great. I mean, they all abandoned him. 
Some of those first disciples, most of them get killed for their faith later. You know, we think, oh, if I'd have been back then, then I could really just see it. In John's gospel, this gospel, there's the point where he, he starts preaching tough stuff. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, you know, the Eucharist. And people just leave. No one follows. And it whittles down to the 12. And he asks them, are you all going to abandon me too? And their response is, well, we would. But we don't have anywhere to go. I mean, that's, I don't know that it'd be that much easier. That if you read this passage, he says, you're going to want me to go. We may be in a little better position with the Holy Spirit and His Spirit among us. But it's, it's, He's talking about His, his presence. That in, in this chapter, just, just a little bit before what we picked up reading, we, we couldn't read it all. It's where Philip asks a question about where you're going and how we're going to know and what, when we're going to... And Jesus gives that answer, you'll know the way because I am the way the truth, and the life. You ever heard that verse before? And we will use that verse to beat up each other all the time. You know, people say, well, God uses and works in all kinds of ways. And we'll, No, it's Jesus is the only way and beat people over. And I think we've missed the point. What John is saying, what Jesus is expressing is, I'm the way the truth, and the life. Very basic. If you and I are going to follow Jesus, that's what a disciple does, right? The only way to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus. That's not that deep, logically or philosophically. To follow Jesus, you follow Jesus. And he's saying, I'm the way. And the truth and the life. There's some powerful stuff there in that phrase. He's the way. There's a, a lot of verses in Proverbs a couple of times it says, There is a way that seems right to human beings. This is multiple times in Scripture, and that way often leads to death. There's a way that feels right to us. Sometimes it's following what culture, following what we think. Sometimes he doesn't say in that passage, trust your emotions. They'll tell you the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. He said, I'm the truth. Not your feelings, not what you want, not what you think. That we will often have a way that we think is right. But it's not. And if we're going to follow Jesus, you have to follow Jesus. And I don't know about you, but some of the things Jesus invites us to do aren't my natural inclination to do. And, and I believe to really follow Jesus, this is so true. You're going to need a paraclete, not a parakeet. Y'all have heard that word before, paraclete. That is the Greek word for advocate. Or some of your translations say comforter. And some say encourager. It, it means all of that. An advocate, a comforter, or encourager. But he's talking about his presence being with you that will advocate for you, that will comfort, that will 
counsel. Some translations say counselor. And there's times we all need that. There are things we're invited to do. I got to have some encouragement and don't come natural. I was thinking, thinking about that and I'm reluctant to share this story. Um, but y'all are going to find out I'm crazy anyway, so it's okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I mean, about 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago, where we were living and we were doing, started the outreach ministry and comes a connection work, and there was a neighbor. It was not a Christian, far from God, a lot of issues, struggles, and I'd built relationship with him and, and it was trying to, you know, connect with him and uh, go help him work on the side and on his house. And he had some back pain, some back problems, I, I believe. But I also know when we would be working on the side and he would try to do that in the morning and the afternoon because he wanted to spend most of the day sitting in the wheelchair in the front of his yard. So I, I think that was if somebody from the insurance was coming to question. So I had a little question on whether there was maybe another purpose to, the, to his motives of whether his pain, because we'd work together. But I, I was reaching out to him, trying to build a relationship, and, and I was one day, one afternoon in my house, just praying for my neighbors, praying for stuff, and just God showed up, and God, I felt God just with me and praying for that neighbor. And then I had just this sense of what God, God inviting me to go ask him if I could lay hands on him and pray for his back and healing for his back, and then gave me kind of an odd, odd thing to say. And I'm thinking, oh, God, yeah, and I'm feeling close to God. And, and then when it got time to walk out of the house and go over there, I decided, that's a little weird. I think that was me. I think I made that up. Maybe not. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't even know if his back's really hurting. I'm going to look like a fool. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to do that. And I kind of headed back into the house. And the moment I, I turned around and, and headed back in the house, it was like I realized in that moment I had missed it. And the moment was gone. And I thought, no, 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 no. I, I think, I, I realized I, that I may have grieved the Holy Spirit. Did I grieve the Holy Spirit? It talks about that in the Bible. Did I, you know, I didn't do it. And I, I'll go back and I'll do it. And it was like the moment I couldn't get it back. And I couldn't get the courage and I couldn't. And so I, I, I needed a comforter to kind of push and encourage. But then I didn't do it. And I prayed, Lord, I think I messed up. Did, did, I not, did I not do what you wanted me to do? And I, I, maybe that affected him. It was later that week. I, I prayed about that. And at that point, I think I kind of needed an advocate to, to give God my perspective. Yeah, he's trying. He, maybe, he, you know, that, that's how that felt. And God said, no, you don't get that moment back. But I'm with you. And I just prayed, Lord, if you'll give me, a, if you ever give me another odd thing to say to somebody, I'll do it. He didn't wipe me off the face of the earth. He didn't. About two months later, I was at the connection. I was te going to teach that afternoon. And uh, Everest kids and their families, and that's what we were doing. And, and I taught. But it that afternoon, told me there was a girl, her and her boyfriend, kind of new to the faith and been working with them. And God said, oh, here's what I want you to say. I felt like God wanted me to say to her, God doesn't want you to hurt anymore in this kind of emotional issue. That I thought, that sounds weird, God. 
But I told you, okay, I'll do it. So I, I ended up going, and I'll have to be honest with you. The whole time, before getting there, I was praying, maybe they won't show up. Maybe they won't show up, and I won't have to say what I told, you know. They did. And at the end, even came up, and I said, I need to say something to you. I said, I don't know what you to do with this. And I said, but I don't think God wants you to hurt anymore. And here's this issue. She burst into tears. And she said, I've been praying about that. And here's some stuff from my childhood from years. And I was like, okay, God. Now I'm not saying that happens all the time. But being open to, those, to follow where Jesus may want to touch the life of someone else. Your faithfulness in being kind of encouraged to, to, to go and to offer a word in a moment that God may just... It's not because you're anything special. It's because they got a need. Or, or they've got a need. You need to go. I'm pointing like y'all are the you know, sheep and the goats. But anyway, other way around. It, it's because there's a need out there God wants to touch. But there's been other times that... I mean, you have to admit, some of the things Jesus said are not what come natural. Another time I was thinking about it, it I got really upset. You know, that time, you, you, I was right. I, I, was, I, I still think I'm right. Um, I was right. And the right thing. But things happen in the church in a different way, and a DS... Disagreed with me whether I was right or not. And it, it bothered me. I was not a happy camper. But, I, you know, I didn't go hostile or do anything. But it just ate at me. It took a year and a half. And it wasn't the main thing in my life. It wasn't the dominant. But when I'd be praying and talk or reading scripture about bitterness or something, that, that idea would ease back in. And it took a year and a half for God, for the Spirit to try to encourage me and comfort me and counsel me into me realizing there is a piece of that that I needed to own. And the stuff that Jesus said in Matthew about, you know, you need to leave. If you're at, your, if you're at the altar worshiping and you have a sacrifice, but somebody has something against you. It doesn't say if you have something against somebody. We wish it said that. But it doesn't. It says if somebody has something against you, you leave your sacrifice and you go make it right. It was a year and a half before I ended up having to sit in the office of that DS and saying, Here, here's where I was, here's my part of this. And I'm sorry. Now, he probably thought I was crazy. <laughs> but it, it didn't matter. But that's not what came natural. You know what came natural to me? You know what comes natural to me? I don't know if you do this. But I spent a year of having that argument over and over in my head. Do you ever have arguments in your head? And I found myself winning every time. And I was winning better and better and better. You know, you ever do that? And your guns just get loaded. And you're like, man, I wish if that ever comes around again, here's what I'm going to say. You know, it's just going to win it. And I've learned over time, that's what not comes natural. That's the way that often seems right to human beings. 
But I've learned that so often the Holy Spirit lets me know, Chuck, when you keep having that mental argument, I do it with all kinds of people, and how I'm going to win it and it's going to get better, and then you realize how it could really just, there's usually something in me that I need to deal with. And there's some bitterness there that is eating up my soul. And it has given an opening to the enemy to just gobble me up. And so to take the initiative and to go try to make it right, that doesn't come natural. I have to, it has to take some pushing, some encouraging from the Spirit of Christ, from the Holy Spirit. Because the way that often seems right to human beings is the way that doesn't fix it. And following Jesus takes the spirit of Jesus to work among us. We need an advocate, counselor, encourager, prompter, pusher. That's what that word means, paraclete. But it also says there, it's the Holy Spirit who will teach you truth. The Jesus saying to the disciples, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things I said and the truth. And it even goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit will remind you of Scripture. The Holy Spirit will do that. The Spirit of Christ among you. And if you really want to follow Jesus, I, I realize that the Holy Spirit does that. Sometimes I, don't, I ignore it. I make a mess. But the dominant idea I was thinking about this week was, was uh, on that idea of needing truth and being reminded of truth of Scripture. This was about 12 years ago. It was when I was on staff at, at Christ, United Methodist. And uh, stuff going on at home, some stuff, some issues, I mean, pressure in life, difficulty and stuff. We had struggled with infertility stuff and then had kids and secondary infertility. There was just, there was just there was a lot of different things that compiled up and feeling pressure. And I found in myself, you know, the enemy will just kind of sneak in. I found in myself temptation. Temptation to revert back to some past things I had used to comfort. Past addictive behavior, past unhealthy stuff. And I decided, I, I think I'll run with that. And I remember the next morning, the morning, sitting there thinking and plotting how, how I could dive into this past problems and sin and, and get away with it. And when I realized I was thinking about how could I get away with it, how could I die, that would be so comforting. I just need some, and it, I realized the temptation was there. And I stopped, but I was ready to dive in with both feet. And I remember praying, what do I do? And the verse that came to mind was 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where it says, No temptation that you struggle with is not common to all people. And Jesus experienced it. It says, You will never be tempted by something you can't handle, and there will always be given a way out that you can deal with it. And I was reminded of that scripture, and I thought, Great. What do I do now? So I, I just prayed. I don't know the way out. I want, you say you'll give a way out. What is the way out here, God? 
I don't see a way out. I, I, don't under, I don't get it. And the Holy Spirit said, go tell John Paul Clark. Dang. Now, John Paul Clark was the new church administrator at Christ. He is my boss. Came in from the Free Methodist Church. We didn't even in the itinerancy. And, you know, he could just run the thing. How and I, Go put your, you're talking can sin and dealing with temptation. And I'm thinking, he'll fire me. And the other thing that hit me why I didn't, just, he, I love, John Paul Clark and I both love Jesus. We love scripture. But we didn't see exactly the same way. Just to give you one illustration. He did his doctoral work at Fuller. Theological Seminary, around the church growth movement and church growth and, and ideas with that with a professor called McGavern who birthed the idea of the homogeneous unit principle that birthed the church growth. I did my doctoral work at Asbury and my theme was multiracial ministry and the overarching principle for my dissertation was that I felt the homogeneous unit principle was not biblical. That was how we thought. And we, we would, I was like, we're going to get into a debate? No, I'm not going to go tell him. But I reminded that scripture. I, I, now, now, if you don't want to take the way out, that's your problem. I don't think that was the Holy Spirit. I think that may have been me saying that to myself. But, okay, you asked. I got up from my desk. I walked down the hall. I knocked on his door. He had somebody in his office, but he said, come in. And I just looked at him. I said, I need an accountability partner, and I need you to be it. And he said, okay, I'll come talk to you after this meeting. Okay, and I closed the door and went back to my office. And he did. He came down, and he took it seriously. And I'd had accountability in small group, but we entered an accountability friendship that we came to respect one another. And I began to ask him tough questions of faith, and he would ask me. We held each other accountable. And if I call him to this day, he knows I'm serious, and he's serious, and we get real. And he also sent me down a road of yearning for that kind of relationship. So in anywhere I've been sent since then, I've found accountability partners and people that will take it serious in pushing me forward and deal with my stuff and will say, Chuck, I know you well enough to know you. are lying to yourself and help that has been so freeing and changed my life. And I had to be pushed into it and reminded of truth of Scripture. And there's been a lot of times I didn't want to do what the Scripture said. You have to be loved and forgiven and your advocate steps in. But he will teach you the truth because there, there is a truth that is natural to us, a way that seems normal to us that often is not the answer that will bring life. Following Jesus takes some pushing sometimes, some encouraging sometimes. And that's what it gets to the last thing we read. Because after Jesus says all that, he then says, and now peace I give to you. Not like the world gives it to you. This is how you're going to find real peace. Because truth is the world, in my own head, my own negative self-talk, my own opinion, my own feelings, will always run me all over the place looking for peace. 
The grass will be greener on the other side. I need to have more money or more this or more that. Or I should be do this. Or I, the church should respond this way. To, to where he says, no. Peace isn't going to look like that. And the truth is, we know we say it. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We claim it when we come into this room that where two or more are gathered, he's with us. Now, what are we going to do with it? Because people need you to respond to the Spirit. And I need you to respond to the Spirit to push me. We need to be on this journey. The only way we're going to be the body of Christ is by his Spirit among us, leading us to it. And he's the way and the truth and the life. Let us pray. Dear Lord, may your breath, we've sung it, we've prayed it, we've said it. May your spirit, I can't explain it. Everyone in this room has access to it if we just surrender to Jesus and say we want it. And sometimes most of the profound ways you work in my life is somebody else following the prompting of the Spirit. And giving encouragement to me. Help us to become honest before you and vulnerable. That you know so many times the things that come natural. They aren't what you said to do. And those moments when we have stumbled and fallen and made a mess. May we realize we have an advocate that loves us, forgives us. We are never left orphaned. but always wants to draw us closer so that we can grow and follow you more closely in the future. Thank you for never giving up on us. May your spirit be poured out on us and may we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand with me now and we will join number 399. Uh, no, I think that's, is that this week's? 332. I think that's last week's bulletin I had.